Welcome and thanks for tuning in to Diving Deep with DL. When we addressed all things in part one and two, I pray God brought forth enlightenment to his work in and through his creation. This week, God will reaffirm his word and will is more than we can fully understand with our finite minds. I pray God is not only revealing his truth to you through this ministry, but also his will is carried out regardless of what humanity thinks, plans, or expects. And whether we like God's way or not, approve of God's way or not, God already set in motion all things he established at the foundation of the world. And all creation operates according to his will. And God will accomplish what he desires. And whatever God commands, it will be. That's the plain old truth. You got your tanks. Let's dive in. This segment is titled, Discipleship, the Way of Life, Everything. Nah, not everything. You mean everything? Yes, my fellow disciples, everything. Last week, God used this Godcast to present to you the gospel in a simulated courtroom setting, and it confirmed the plain old truth of what God says in and through his word is the truth. And that truth is, Jesus is the creator of all things, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, as Colossians 1 testifies. This week, let's just sit, have a cup of coffee, and talk about the truth of God. I pray God opens your heart to hear what is being testified to about this truth of God's sovereignty in and through all of his creation. I pray God will continue to use this Godcast as his instrument of bringing his words to life to you wherever the creator has placed you to carry out his kingdom plan of redemption for humanity with a great commission, mission, heart, and mindset. I pray you believe. And you believe what God says all, he means all. So, what do tell does all mean? Well, all means everything. And everything, according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, which many see as a viable resource, says this, Everything is all that exists, all that relates to the subject, all that is important, all sorts of other things used to indicate related but unspecified events, facts, or conditions. Now, God also created the dictionary, which serves as a resource for humanity that everything means all. As communicated in the resource, everything is all that exists. That would be everything in creation, you know, light, heavens, wind, rain, snow, hail, sun, moon, stars, land, sea, and everything in it, plants of all kinds all over the surface of the planet, trees of all sorts in various places, even on the side of mountains, insects and reptiles of countless kinds, and they're even in the king's palace, fish, multitudes of them, and live on top of the surface of the water down to the ocean floor, animals, masses of them, from wild to domesticated, and humanity, all colors, shapes, sizes, ages, and languages. And let's not forget Sheol. 
God confirms his truth all throughout his living word, but listen to Isaiah 45:18. For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, He is God who formed the earth and made it. He established it and did not create it a waste place, but formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. So, everything is all related to the subject. Well, what's the subject? The subject is God's sovereignty in and through his creation, that nothing happens outside of God's sovereign will. You remember the questions about your life. Did you choose your parents? No, but God did. Did you know the exact instant you were conceived? No, but God did. And Psalm 100 verse 3 confirms this truth. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And everyone who is called by my name and whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed, even whom I have made, as God testifies to his sovereignty through Isaiah 43, verse 7. What about God's truth in Colossians 2:13? When you were dead in your transgressions and uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. When you go all the way back to the beginning, when Jesus asked the Pharisees this question in Matthew 19, 4, and he answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And as you did not choose your parents, you know, being born in the physical, you did not choose your spiritual birth either. Listen to John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How would you be able to make yourself born in the spiritual if you're not able to make yourself born in the physical? Listen to John 3, verse 8. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from, and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, you may be deceived and could be even deceiving yourself to believe that you made your salvation decision. Because in the flesh we must make ourselves feel good and I do understand. However, it's truly deception to think that you were capable to complete such an amazing work of God. You know the supernatural heart and spirit transplant? You are dead. How could you make yourself alive? That would be the same as Lazarus, who was dead for four days and decaying in the tomb, now decides he was dead long enough and gets up by his own power and walks out of the tomb. If Lazarus possessed such power, he would have never gotten sick in the first place. And if he had then Martha would never have said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. No, it took Jesus coming to the tomb. The Father's response to Jesus' acknowledgement of his relationship with the Father from before the beginning and the Spirit's power 
to wake Lazarus up so he could hear Jesus' voice when he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. This is a command of Jesus in action so that the truth of God would be confirmed for every disciple that was not in attendance that day to witness this amazing work of God. Were you there? Now the plain old truth, whatever Jesus commands happens, and that's the truth, because Jesus commands hearing in Matthew eleven fifteen. He who has ears to hear, let them hear. Now please tell me you don't think there was those standing around with their hands over someone else's ears trying to prevent Jesus' words to enter their ears. That was not Jesus asking them to remove their hands. I pray you say that's ridiculous, and I will testify so is a dead man believing they're alive when they're actually dead. No, this is God's eternal command for every disciple to hear God's word when it reaches their ears on God's appointed time for them to hear it. Amen? Listen to when the initial disciples were all together in one place. God says in Acts 2, and suddenly... There came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. The plain old truth, John 3, 6 reaffirms God's truth about being made alive. It says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. This is the work of God. And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God, as John 3, 5 testifies. So how could anyone make themselves born of the Spirit when they don't even know that the Spirit exists? Listen to what Jesus says in John fourteen seventeen: That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. So let me ask you a question. How could you fall in love with someone you never met? The simple answer is you can't. Therefore, if God doesn't make his spirit known and abide in you, how would anyone find out and not only get him, how could you make God stay where you put him? No, God doesn't leave clues, hints, and tips in the hope someone would stumble across, you know, like the blind squirrel finding a nut. To find God the Holy Spirit, evaluate his essence, his omnipotence, omnipresence, and omniscience, and then make a determination that it would be good to be in fellowship with him and then make room in their dead spirit for all of them. Have you ever heard of new wine in old wineskins? Take some time and read up on that. No, the simple truth, God the Father gave Jesus disciples. Listen to this truth in John 17, 6 and 7. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now 
They have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. Now, there are many that don't know the gospel. There are many that do not believe the gospel. And there are many that believe a different gospel. And that was said because it's true, because God said it. So, here's your hope as a disciple of Jesus today. It's in John 17, 20 and 21. And this is where Jesus asked the Father to complete his work beyond the 22 feet that were present. This prayer of Jesus is for you, my fellow disciples. Listen to Jesus. It's John 17, 20 and 21. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may, are, may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. With all due respect, God's purpose for you as their disciples is for you to preach Jesus. And just as the Apostle Paul testified to the disciples in Corinth titled Paul's Reliance on the Spirit, it's 1 Corinthians 2, 1 and 2. And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Can I get an amen for it's all, everything is all about Jesus. Remember, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is in the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having been made peace through the blood of his cross, through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. With all due respect again, did you hear any Y-O-U's in Colossians 1, 15 through 20? Now I pray God will bring a deeper understanding to what Jesus said in John 15:16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. Salvation has come to humanity because of God's love for his son and it through the Father's love his mercy, his grace and favor that God the Father has given everything to Jesus for Jesus to be glorified in and through his disciples. Shouldn't the Creator have the incontestable right to choose who he desires to share his gospel? 
It's by God's divine providence that he chooses his disciples at the foundation of the world to become conformed to the image of his Son, as Romans 8.29 testifies. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. What self-imposed components do you possess, my fellow disciples, that would make you like Jesus? The short answer, none. Before God's work in your essence, your sin nature prevents you from being able to hear, see, and act like Jesus. You can't imitate Jesus, follow Jesus, fix your eyes on Jesus, nor can you obey Jesus' commands. The plain old truth, when anyone is born on this planet, they are spiritually dead, being born in the flesh and of the seed of Adam. It's the work of God in your life. And you will be as the potter shapes the clay. But the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter. So he remade it into another vessel. And it pleased the potter to make, as Jeremiah 18.4 testifies. But what about Romans 9.21-24? Or does it not the potter have a right over the clay to make from the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for common use? What if God, although willing to demonstrate his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much patient vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. And he did so to make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory, even us, whom he also called, not from among Jews only, but also from among Gentiles. Did you hear it? I pray you did. The right to make Vessels. Vessels of wrath, vessels are honorable, vessels for common use, vessels of mercy, prepared beforehand for glory. He called. So, may I ask, are you the potter or the clay? If God has given you understanding, then you will understand what I'm about to say. All of creation, all of creation has a story of God's work and word being carried out in and through their lives. And time after time, God's word has gone forth from his mouth and his word is and forever will be accomplishing and succeeding in the manner for which he sent it. It was God, is God, and will always be God, doing his work in and through all of his creation. And yes, my fellow disciples, it begins with A, continuing on with B through Y, and of course, Z. I pray God gives you understanding. It's only by God's sovereign architecture that you left that place and came to this place. After all, how many would testify that the spouse they have, the place they work, where they lay their head, they had no idea existed, that is, until God led them to where he wanted them to go? And will only be like the myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands of others 
that will all testify in one body, one spirit, one faith, one baptism, and one Lord, and proclaim loudly, but God. Now back to regarding the definition of everything, we've covered all that exists and all that relates to the subject. Now on to all that is important. So, all that is important, that would be everything that's important. That's God's word, God's work, God's purpose, God's will, and God's plan being carried out in and through everything he created. I pray and ask that God would incline your heart and ear to these truths of God. So let me repeat again what is everything that's important. God's word, God's work, God's purpose, God's will, and God's plan being carried out in and through everything he created. And with all due respect, leave your flesh out of this. It doesn't include you. Your word, your work, your purpose, your will, and your plans. I didn't hear any of that, did you? So leave the flesh out and let's live and walk by the Spirit. Amen? Listen to this. It's John 1, 1 through 1-3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Philippians 2.13 for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Isaiah 46.10 Declaring the end from the beginning, and from the ancient times which have been done, saying, My purpose will be established, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. John 6.38 For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And Acts 2.23 This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. So, collectively, we know this. The word in the beginning is God. We know it's God at work in you for his will, work, and pleasure. We know God's purpose is established and will accomplish all his good pleasure. We know Jesus does God the Father's will. And we know godless men that put Jesus to death, resulting from God the Father's predetermined plan. So it's got to be true that God's foreknowledge and predetermined plan applies not only to Jesus, but also his predetermined plan includes everything, everybody, everywhere, every time. That's the plain old truth. Now, on to the next portion of the definition of everything is 
all sorts of other things. You know, like love, relationship, promises, joy, apostles, blessing, saints, peace, grace, forgiveness, patience, mercy, freedom, transformation, new things, kindness, prophets, knowledge, gifts, faith, wisdom, reconciliation, evangelists, gentleness, deliverance, goodness, word, discipleship, understanding, pastors, self-control, discipline, teachers, equipping, accountability, sacrifice, judgment, testimony, doctrine, healing, prayer, calling, worship, and eternal life. All things that you heard are good, but do tell, where do they come from? Listen to what God says through his disciple James in James 1, 16-18. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. You know, when you look at the sun, and that's the S-U-N, God created it to provide light, warmth, and heat, just to name a few. So the sun was created when God said, let there be light. And just so you know, when you peer into the heavens from a place out in the wilderness, away from all the artificial light, you will be in awe of the billions of trillions of stars, only to know God counts the number of stars and he gives a name to all of them. As Psalm 147.4 testifies, it's humanity that vacillates and are untruthful insincere and glib. If there is any good that comes to your essence, it's purely from the goodwill and grace of God, because it's God the Father that rescues and brings forth those to Jesus' kingdom. So the plain old truth, every good thing and every perfect gift is from God, and it's not for you to ascertain what is good and perfect. Because all of humanity possesses a flawed perspective and a sin nature. Therefore, your good and your perfect is defective and unreliable. The simple truth, only what God says is good because he's good. And Jesus testifies to this truth and it's in Mark 10, 17, 18. As he was sitting on, excuse me, as he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So my fellow disciples, if no one is good except God alone, and we must look at it with an NGA, you know, a no gray area mindset, then you have God is good. Then humanity must be bad, dishonest, dishonorable, evil, immoral, indecent, sinful, unethical, unrighteous, and wicked 
because no one is good except God alone. So, the last portion of the definition of everything is used to indicate related but unspecified events, facts, or conditions. So, do tell. What are the used to indicate related but unspecified events, facts, or conditions? You know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. The dealings, the contacts and interactions without notification. The trials that prove and produce the result that God desires to occur in your life for spiritual growth and maturity. The evidence of the fruit of the Spirit, the circumstances and situations that God provides, the ways and the means for His will to be carried out, God empowering, equipping, and sending you to testify of His will and work being carried out in and through your life and in and through His creation. The place where God has shaped you as His clay to be the vessel carrying His word, His love, His life, His truth, his light, and his gospel. Your proof? It's Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Matthew 5.16. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Proverbs 16.3. Commit your works to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Philippians 1.6 For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Do you remember what Jesus says in Revelation 22.13? I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And when I said that God had to be the anamasa, which in the Greek word for in-between, why would God need to be in the middle since he is the alpha and the Z, or the A and the Z? He has to be in the middle because how else would humanity make the journey from the womb to the tomb, being of the seed of Adam, possessing a deceitful and desperately sick heart, being physically alive but spiritually dead in trespasses and sin, evil, having no knowledge, enemy, and by nature children of wrath. If God is not in the middle, then no one makes it to eternal life. That's the plain old truth. The only way you have any indication of eternity is because God placed it in you. Listen to Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also set eternity in their heart, yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. So just like God planned the sun, the planets, earths, creatures, seas, and humanity, and everything else, it was no surprise at all when Eve approached that tree. Do you need a warmer for your coffee? Let's look at the pure milk of God's word. I pray God the Holy Spirit, which Jesus promised that he will teach you all things, will open our hearts to a deeper understanding of God's sovereignty 
and bring the truth of God's word alive in us today. Amen? So, how is God sovereign in everything? Well, regardless of where anyone stands on the linear line of time, God's sovereign will applies to everything, everywhere, and everybody in some way, shape, or form. In other words, how everything fits into God the Father's plan for everything to be about and for Jesus. And God's work is because he's the architect of all things. And as the architect, God is and has absolute power over, in, and through all his creation. Listen to this testimony of Solomon in Ecclesiastes 3.1. There is an appointed time for everything, and there's a time for every event under heaven. Now, just looking at the pure milk of the word... God has already made the appointed time point applicable to everyone on this planet, and that was your birth. And you can count on there's an appointed time for the death as well. So, that truth will confirm that there is an appointed time for life and death. Now tell me, what is more important than life and death? And I must testify to this truth of God. It's Hebrews 9.27, and I would be remiss if I did not tell you this. Hebrews 9.27, And inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. Birth is the only way to enter this planet, and death is the only way to leave it. And when your vapor has dissipated, you'll either spend eternity in God's presence, or eternally separated from him in Sheol, NGA. Now, God testifies to an appointed time for everything. So may I ask, can you name anything that's not included in everything? Every purpose of God has its time. If God has made you a student of his word and has permitted you to possess the capacity to believe and understand it, then you know all of what God does is good, regardless of what humanity thinks and feels, because all of God's creation is created to glorify Him. Remember this truth in Isaiah 43, 7, Everyone who is called by my name, and whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed, even whom I have made. And when you understand you are created for to glorify God, and you will glorify Him in whatever capacity God has created you to be, then it is what it is. Brings a totally different mindset to the saying, it is what it is. So the plain old truth, it is, because God made it what it is. So, can we agree all things mean everything? Here's another fact you must know. The Lord has made everything for its own purpose, even the wicked for the day of evil. Proverbs 16.4 asserts this truth. Matthew 26.24 testifies, The Son of Man is to go, just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man 
if he had not been born. John 17, 7. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. 2 Peter 1, 3. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Acts 17.24 The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. And Job 12, 9 and 10. Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? In whose hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind? As we head back up, take this with you. It's in God's absolute dominion over his creation, possessing the greatest wisdom, unconditional love, boundless grace, tenderest mercy, unfathomable forgiveness, utmost power, and all things are designed in perfect order. There are no errors, slip-ups, oversights, missteps, inaccuracies, or blunders. He is before time was invented, during the current time, and when time will no longer exist as it's been identified and designed. He can speak and it transpires, think and generate movement. Sight that penetrates anything and everything. Every single purpose has been planned and carried out with calculated accuracy, demonstrates a perfect perception keenest hearing, brightest appearance, sharpest speaker, narrator, lector, and presenter. He possesses a perfect nature, triune essence, and can retain anything and have the capacity to remember no more. He can consume with the most intense incineration, the ultimate decider of facts, is all truth, despises all deeds that are wicked, immoral, unkind, vindictive, injurious, hurtful, and evil. He can permit, allot, enable, allow, forbid, relent, understand, and sympathize. Although all things created change, he remains the same. No matter what he disrupts, interrupts, obstructs, destroys, hinders, chooses, disturbs, suspends, delays, closes, scatters, disconnects, impedes, dislocates, upsets, prohibit, or unsettles. He can repair, fix, mend, revamp, adjust, refurbish, strengthen, reform, fuse, reconnect, increase, refit, stabilize, renew, flourish, improve, release, make, quicken, raise, assemble, maintain, preserve, advocate, prolong, hasten, revive, and reopen. He can cause death and breathe life right back into it. Everything is visible, conspicuous, transparent, reachable, and inescapable. He can make it desolate or occupied. He can cause the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. He makes known for the unknowing. He's created things that have yet to be discovered he can make the strong weak and the weak strong. He asks questions that no one can answer. He controls the elements. 
He's chosen foolish things to shame the wise. He can be wherever, whenever, and however he desires to be and is restrained by nothing. I just want you to know, though, there's about a million or more, so I just failed to mention that God knows all of them about himself. That's the plain old truth. As Jesus says, he's the Alpha because he created the beginning and the Omega because he knows the end. And if he's those two, then he has to be the Anamasa, the in-between of all and everything in his creation. He is God before the beginning, is God in the present, and will be God forever. Amen. Let me pray for you. Abba, I love you and I thank you for today. This is a day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Oh Lord, how can we wrap our minds around the riches of your grace, your kindness, your glory, your magnificence, and your power? Allow us to acquire the true knowledge of your mystery, Jesus himself. Help us to understand the depth of your love, your wisdom, your insight, your understanding, your justice, your holiness, your knowledge, and your word. We don't even possess the capacity to grasp our own existence. How could we ever comprehend who you are and what you accomplish in your creation every millisecond of every day? You make known to us the path of life. And there is not one that can compare to you. Your testimonies are so profound, wonderful, and true. Please allow us to treasure your magnificent thoughts and work. O oh, loving Father, we live in a constant state of surprise, awe, astonishment, amazement, and wonder by the work you carry out in and through our lives. Your word is true. Your salvation is only found in Jesus. And we know that you are God and we are but dust. As your clay, we trust you will equip us to fulfill the work you have planned from the foundation of the world. And we know it's by your hands as our potter that form the way and the truth and the life we are living today. We love you because you first loved us. I ask and pray everything in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I pray God has imparted to you more understanding of his sovereignty. And this, my fellow disciples, is only part one. I am praying that God will bring inspiration for part two. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in to Diving Deep with DL. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Have a great day of worship and keep walking the way.